0: And this week is our holiday Thanksgiving episode. In this episode, we talk about a whole bunch of stuff that have to do with loosely thankfulness. We give a perspective on gratitude and appreciation and thankfulness and how those all can play very meaningful roles in your business, especially when it comes to how to price your service or your product. We think you're going to love this. It's, it's something that we think about all the time and we hear other businesses do as well. So here is our philosophy on gratitude and appreciation as a way to price your business.
1: Welcome to the Making It in Asheville podcast, a podcast where the two of us typically sit down with a local business owner, entrepreneur, or creative living here in Asheville to find out what they're making and how they are making it.
0: And we're your hosts. I'm Tony and that was Sarah. And in this episode, as we said in the intro intro, um, we're talking about thankfulness and appreciation and growing a business.
1: Yeah, we're taking a step back from interviews this week. Uh, We wanted to take some time to reflect on... The idea of gratitude, which is a word that you'll find out um, Tony does not like. Um, We talk about why he doesn't like it. And we take a unique approach on the idea of appreciation, um, meaning
0: money. Mm, Yes. But before we do all that, let's just take a quick second to appreciate this episode's sponsor, the Chop Shop Butchery. Uh, the Chop Shop is where we go for all things meat, eggs, seafood, um, right on Charlotte Street in Asheville. And we have a very special offer that is still live with them.
1: Yes, yeah, so from now until Thanksgiving, only a few days away, guys, uh, you can get 10% off of your order at the Chop Shop. So yeah, all you have to do in order to use that offer is visit makingitinashevillecom forward slash Chop Shop. And you just show that page to the team members, and you'll see 10%. All
0: right. So uh, this is episode 31, and we are very excited to talk to you more about appreciation. All right, Sarah, can you take out the... um The notes that we have because i don't remember how we were planning to start it
1: well let's just start with this okay so we we wanted to do a thanksgiving episode and uh, you know i wanted to talk about thanksgiving food (laughs) but we decided that wasn't exactly the theme of uh our podcast so not not on brand not on brand um so we started thinking about this idea of gratitude, which is, you know, a common theme that comes up on Thanksgiving. And we started thinking about business and, you know, how can we relate this topic um, of gratitude to a business idea? And the thing that came up for both of us was, well, Tony has said the word gratitude didn't quite. Yeah. I mean, so what, you. Yeah, what
0: I'll just say is that uh, the, the, the flow was thankfulness, gratitude, And I personally have, like, not a vendetta. I have, like, this little thing where I don't love the word gratitude because it means very little to me. Like, I don't feel emotionally connected to um, gratitude. I think, like, gratitude is the attitude. or Like, it never meant much to me. It still doesn't mean much to me. I think that it's... um,
1: We were saying that it kind of reminds us of, like, this idea of, like, virtues and, like, those virtuous, like, I don't know, Hallmark cards or something. Well I,
0: I think it I think that it in a jaded and not uh not not when I'm at my best, but in a jaded state, I think that people who are like, oh gratitude, gratitude, gratitude are like virtue signaling. I think that they're um it doesn't feel right to me. The word and I think semantics do matter and I don't think the word has never has never really that much resonated with me. Um, I feel appreciation for stuff all the time. though. Like I appreciate someone, um, going out of their way to be kind or to be thankful, um, or, or, or tell us like, Hey, we really love what you're doing on the podcast. And it means a lot to have you in the community. I don't feel gratitude personally is not the word that I think of. I think appreciation, like I appreciate that someone took the time to type that into their phone and send it to us. It means, means a ton. Um, for whatever reason, I just don't love gratitude. It, it's never resonated with me. But a word that has resonated is the idea of appreciation. And I think that there's some really interesting ways to lean into appreciation um, as currency and appreciation as a way to think about pricing your business. And that's, I think, where we ended up getting to uh, with the theme and topic for this episode because... Um, I think it's really important for business owners to think about, especially those of, you know, the listeners who are on the near side, like the earlier side of starting a business and are trying to figure out, like, how much should it cost? How much should I price this at? Is it too much? Um, We've had enough conversations to know. And we think about it all the time in our own business. Like, pricing is funny, um, but we have a strategy and a framework that we we use when we think about it. And so that's what I think we're going to get into today.
1: Yeah. So it seems like probably a little bit strange to think of the word thankfulness or gratitude or appreciation and talk about money. But what we found to be really interesting is that the word appreciation has a lot of different meanings and a lot of different overlap with value and with money, right? Because you think about money, you think about um, an asset that appreciates Mm. in value that grows in value and so that word right there is kind of used in both of those worlds whether it's i appreciate my mother for you know the things she's done for me or this um you know i don't know car that's a bad example this (laughs) business has appreciated in value it has grown in value because of uh, the work that individuals have put in
0: I don't know if I've ever heard a dog bark from our apartment.
1: We appreciate you, dog.
0: Yeah, we'd appreciate you even more if you shut the. <laughs> <laughs> get right. That will be in the podcast. So okay, so um, yeah, so there's the two ways to think about appreciation. It's a, it's just the word that we use to say thank you. It's a synonym of thank you, but it's also this word that's used to uh, be a synonym of growth right? And uh, I found that, so I heard that first in this really wacky book, which we will link to in the show notes, called Busting Loose from the Money Game. Uh, But the idea of appreciation being a synonym for growth, as well as thankfulness, and appreciation being a form of currency is, to me, like revolutionary stuff. And
1: like, I think it's, I think it would be interesting to talk a little bit about this personally as well, if you're up for it. Sure, Um, yeah. Like, because I think I mean, everyone has their own, um, I guess, associations with money, mm-hmm. and you know, some people have a negative association with it, some people have a positive association with it, some people have both. Um, we all there's like a lot of emotion that I think is tied up with money, and a lot of identity that's tied up with money. Yes, but I think that when you kind of like, discovered this new way of looking at it, like a, looking at it as appreciation. Mm-hmm. Something kind of changed. And
0: totally. That yeah. Uh, living in New York, one of the things that was very, very real for me was like how not wealthy I was <laughs> and how not wealthy um, I was relative to a lot of people around. But um, especially when you think about finance, and uh, a lot of my, my friends in New York were doing very well like professionally and financially and um when you compare yourself to people's other like other people's numbers for me that was a bad framework i felt very much a less than energy and especially around money i always thought that i had not enough which is still like a work in progress in a lot of ways but a pretty big and a pretty game-changing moment was when i thought um or when I heard about the idea of appreciation being what you're trying to send someone and money is one of the ways that you do it so that like I would, you know, it was shameful. It was shame inducing for me, but like, I'd question like, do I really, should I really tip this person 20% because I just don't know how much money I have right now. I loved sitting at, uh, I don't know, the gray dog cafe for five hours, but how much of the tip should I give? Uh, and eventually what I, what I, what my mind grew into and what I was able to live into is that there were certain things that I do appreciate. One is sitting in a cafe for a long time, getting work done. Um, one of the things that I don't necessarily appreciate or need much of is like, I don't know, uh, extraneous expenses on clothes and on, um, bars and on booze and on, um, things that don't necessarily give me life. I don't appreciate waiting in line at a club.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that like reframing of the words, like using I appreciate or I don't appreciate versus I want to spend money on this and I don't want to spend money on this. It can help you figure out what is important to you. And I know that that's something that, um, Sadie, who we always, Look to for anything finance related mm-hmm. um kind of says in his recommendations of, of budgeting for yourself is figuring out what are the things that are you know most important to you if you love shoes and that's what you want to spend your money on then allocate your money to shoes but if you love eating out and that's what you want to spend your on then you can allocate more money to that so anyways Absolutely. i think that that wording is very helpful in figuring that out.
0: Yeah. And and when you think about like appreciation, I think that um, I want to show appreciation for the hard work that people that work in service do. I want to show appreciation for the hard work that people who, you know, make these clothes and, and make, you know, uh, who like, I want to appreciate that. Like I want Mm. to let them know that I care and that this is something that I support. And something about, a desire to be able to show the world and other people more appreciation feels like a better goal for me than the desire to just like stack a bunch of hundred dollar bills in the corner of this apartment and like Scrooge McDucket. I yeah, don't care to Scrooge like, McDucket. It. It's
1: never, I mean, I guess for some people it could be like seeing their bank account grow, but it's never the actual physical paper money or whatever the dollar sign in your ally bank account, that is really the thing that has meaning for you. It's the things that you can do with it and the Mm -hmm. impact that you can have. And I think that this is something too, we talked about from like a personal standpoint, but also from a couple standpoint, like we've had to figure out what is it that we want to spend our money on. And that can be hard because we have maybe different values Mm in certain things or, you know, different wants and desires and,
0: but the but the statement is the same. We both want to grow in our ability yeah. to show appreciation to the things that we care about.
1: Yeah, exactly. So like we've decided, like you know, we want to buy as sustainable as we can furniture. Yes. So we shopped a lot of vintage and thrift shops in Nashville. Um, we love buying really good quality food, so we shop shop at places like the Chop Shop. shop.
0: Yeah. And honestly, like we go out less, but when we go out, it's like a, it's a big deal. And the place is a place that aligns with what we're, you know, what we say we believe. In.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a beautiful thing. It is. So I love that. I love that idea of reframing money for appreciation. Um, so from a business point of view, we thought it was interesting to think about you know, asking for money as a small business owner, or artist, or entrepreneur, from other people, and that icky feeling that you can sometimes get. Yeah. When you ask for money.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we just we, we've been having enough conversations in town with other small businesses and you know artists, and it it consistently is something that'll show up where we either beat wildly around the bush. Um, or we've heard explicitly like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm really concerned that I uh, seem too expensive for someone. Like, I don't want to be too expensive. And um, and I think that expensive, like that is such an interesting word and thing that people fear or use in some way as a negative thing. I think expensive is... Um,
1: it's relative. It, it's
0: relative, it's always relative
1: right, like you might you might feel like your what you're offering is going to be too expensive, so how do you figure out what is the right price
0: right and I think that what w- we were where we were headed was that expensive is always a relative thing, and expensive if that is a if that's even a word that someone's using it'll likely means that they don't understand your value proposition well enough, and so um Maybe it makes sense to talk through the three ways that I think that people typically price themselves, um, and there is clearly a ton of variation on this because there are tons of ways that people, um, I don't know, serve or create, and and so take these three ways with a grain of salt. There is lots of ways to price, but loosely, it's either um, top-down pricing, bottom-up pricing, or what we have just invented, which is appreciation-based pricing or, or loosely value-based pricing. And the idea unlike top-down pricing in my mind is like, all right, so I'm making insert a widget. I'm making a rubber band. Cause I see one in front of me. I'm making a rubber band. And because I'm making a r- rubber band, I look around the market and I'm like, all right, how much do rubber bands typically cost for people? Um, I'm going to price it around that. Or I say, um, this rubber band costs me five cents to make. So I'm going to charge six cents. That's a 25 or 20 cent, 20% margin. Um, and that's, that's my business. That's how I'm pricing. So I that's it, top down. Pricing? I call that top down. Yeah. So it's like, um, it's what is the, uh, effectively going to be like, what's the revenue per thing mm-hmm. going to be? And, um, I'm going to try and sell things. So, so
1: do you think that that works particularly well for one type of business?
0: I don't think it works particularly well. Oh. I think it's probably the worst way to price a thing because it's it's based on what the rest of the market looks like, right? So if uh, <laughs> we're using rubber bands, it's not a great example, but like if people are used to paying X for rubber bands mm-hmm. and yours is more than X, then relatively you're expensive and you've done nothing to tell the story of... Uh, why it's more expensive and you've done nothing to create a lifestyle that supports what you how you want to live um and you might run yourself ragged trying to make rubber bands like, at the price of everyone else yeah okay bands. that
1: makes sense it's kind of like i'm thinking of in some ways the way airlines price themselves right they're always trying to in some way kind of get closer to their competitors in a way
0: there's some very sophisticated stuff going on in pricing but 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 yeah loosely i'm talking more like uh, rather
1: than focus on
0: i'm talking about like think about like a website designer Mm -hmm. right we have conversations with designers frequently enough and if they look around the market and they say all right uh it seems like five thousand dollars is a fair price to make a website at um that's what I've, I'm, it, for what I'm able to see, that's about what everyone else is charging. That is top-down pricing, right? If it's, all right, I'm making, um, again, like, I, I like knives, I'm making a knife. Everyone else in the market is charging 29 99 for their knives. I'm going to make a twenty-nine ninety-nine knife, yeah. sell it at 29 99
1: So you're looking towards, you're, sorry, you're looking to the market to see what's already there, Correct. and then you're pricing yourself. So,
0: and that's where the word yeah. expensive will show up. And that is, you're producing a commodity, and that is Amazon's going to beat you. And there's always going to be a cheaper one at Walmart. And um, this is not a good way to price. Is the main point. Okay. It is so a then, good, it's a decent place to start. That's where most people start. Yeah. Not a good place to price. Well,
1: I think it's important to know what your competition is pricing totally. at, so that then you can say, well, here's why I'm pricing myself. Differently, if you are pricing differently, whether it's less expensive, maybe you're going for a cheaper option, or more expensive, and you can explain why you're more expensive. Right.
0: And what I will say is, if so you're if do. you are going cheaper, I pray that there is a technological advance that you created to find that price deficit. Otherwise, um, going to market as the cheaper thing is almost never a good idea um, because. Amazon will be able to do it cheaper. Uh, Target will be able to do it cheaper. Walmart will be able to do it cheaper or find someone who can.
1: Right. But that so that because that's you're saying Amazon is able to do that because they have the technology to do that.
0: Because they have the scale. They have the right. They have right. they have a uh, a infinite chest of money that they can call on and lose. Meaning sell their the thing that you're making at a loss. Mm hmm until no one else in the marketplace exists in that space and so
1: from a small business point of view it is it is always
0: risky it is always uh not something i would advise to go less expensive unless something technologically or strategically has changed that's giving you like 10x price difference Mm -hmm. or or multiple x price difference where it's like what what did they do that's so different um, and then you, you just have a little bit of time to sell against that and then everyone's going to catch up. Got it. So you don't want to yep. be less expensive almost ever. Yeah. You want to be more expensive, but you want to be able to story tell, and you want to be able to put yourself in a position to live a lifestyle that you want so that the bottom up pricing is slightly different. It is what lifestyle do I want to live? It mm. is how much money do I want to make this year? Like to support that lifestyle.
1: Got it. So I would, I would go and say, okay, I want to make $80,000 this year and then figure out what I need to price my product or service in order to make that.
0: Yeah. So you would, uh, you're like, I want to take home $80,000. That means I need to make $120,000. That means I need to make $10,000 a month. If I, if I make things that cost a thousand bucks, that means I need to sell 10 of them a month. If I need to sell 10 of them a month, it means I need to have a hundred conversations mm-hmm. with people who look like customers.
1: So you literally just break it down step by step. So by you're step looking
0: them. bottom profit. You're looking at profit and you're working your way up. You're looking at what is the number mm-hmm. or way that I want to live. And sometimes it's like, you know, the, the work that I do is really taxing, right? I do uh, three day seminars on whatever. There's only so many of those. You, you don't want to do 52 three day seminars probably right you might want to do i don't know what's a good number uh 12 you do one a month for a year and if you do 12 well how much money do you need to make per weekend according to our last math we need to make ten thousand dollars a weekend to make one hundred twenty thousand dollars to bring home 80 mm. um and so okay so if it's a 10 if it's ten thousand dollars you need to make a weekend i need 20 people to pay 500 bucks I need ten people to pay a thousand bucks. I need you can you can do the math right. and figure out what you need to sell the thing for, right. based on your capacity to make and based on the, the you know how long you want to work and how often you want to work and how much you want to work, and then you can back into pricing in that way. I think this is a better way to price.
1: Yeah, and do you think that this works for any kind of business? Especially like I'm thinking, especially someone that's just starting out and you know, maybe they don't have any customers right now. They have no background and they're like, okay, but I want to make $80,000 this year. How am I going to start getting that happening? I think that just some more like you need to be realistic.
0: uh, Well, I I think it's a fair question. I think that it is a, a combination of this and the last one, probably, but then the third one is most important, right? So it's, Um, if you are just starting out, it is beneficial to know what air quotes competition. We have a funny feeling around competition, but it's beneficial to know what your competition costs or approximately what they cost. Um, and then it is also beneficial to have a sense of how long it takes to do the thing that you do, how long it takes to produce whatever the widget is or provide the surface. Um, and it's important to have a sense of where you want to get. So it is beneficial to go through both pricing activities loosely Mm -hmm. to understand where you are in the world and know that like, all right, if the market is charging, coming up with a number, 50 bucks, but my backed into expectation of um, lifestyle plus how much work I can actually do and what that work could be priced at says that I need to charge 100, that to me just means that you should not be saying yes to selling something at 20 if that makes sense. You want to be at 50 towards 100 and you want to get to charging full price as quickly as possible. Um, And there's a bunch of reasons for it. I'm I'm thinking mostly in service, uh, time spent with bad clients and and customers who undervalue your work Mm -hmm. or are not able to pay um, is times where you can't spend with customers who can.
1: Yeah, and then... I'm thinking of a scenario if you make products and you charge, let's say, $10 per product and then suddenly you want to go up to $20 per product or 100. or 100
0: It's hard to do that. That's how, really how hard. Do you, how do you explain that 10x yeah. jump? It is, it is better to start there, I think, and take 10 times longer to sell the first one than it is uh, to dig yourself out of the, well, it used to be 10 bucks, and then I realized it was more valuable.
1: Yeah. So then what if... I'm just
0: you know mm-hmm.
1: playing devil's advocate here, yeah, what if you did already start pricing yourself like that, like you you know you charge say mm-hmm. you're a photographer and you charge like twenty dollars a session, but really you're like, no, I need to be charging like three hundred dollars a session.
0: I need to be charging two thousand dollars a session or so, like yeah. how
1: what do you do then like how do you then up your prices if you've already started something lower than what you actually think you need?
0: that is when you get into phase three. <laughs> which is value-based pricing or appreciation-based pricing. And that is when you get into storytelling. the, The first two kind of, in some ways, presuppose that you have not done that much true homework on what your customer cares about or what your customer needs. The closest thing to Customer care or customer needs is in um, the bottom-up pricing, where you're like, "All right, well, that means we need ten people who will spend a thousand dollars on the weekend with us." Um, by doing that, you've now kind of removed almost anyone who makes six thousand dollars a year. They're not in, very few people are going to spend a sixth of their net total income on whatever it is that you're selling, but. I don't know. If someone's making three hundred thousand dollars a year; they could probably do a thousand dollar weekend. I think that's in their budget. So now you have a sense of who your customer could be, or what they look like, where they live, what they hang out in, like what zip codes they might live. So depending on the business that you're running, there are ways to identify your customer. You've done nothing by way of storytelling to validate that the thousand dollars with you is going to be um, better spent than elsewhere, but you know you know who your customer is or loosely based on whether or not they can afford your $50 earrings or your $1000 event to 10x your price i think that you need to really start wondering and asking what do people what do what does my customer appreciate like what truly would make their world's better and better is very um I don't know, uh, subjective. You can give someone a story to tell, right? That's like a lot of fashion is two things. It's like, A, they get to look the way that they want to. The clothes fit in a certain way and that like explicitly signals something for them or B, you've told a story in the way that you make your product or the way that you market your product that allows them to tell that story either to themselves on repeat like oh man, Patagonia, which is what I'm wearing, like is so great. They care so much about the earth or B Corp, whatever it is. I get to tell it to myself, or I get to tell it to friends. And often, telling to friends is even more important. You with me on this a little? Am I? Am I I've been on this for a while now. <laughs> yeah. No, no. No. No.
1: I. I. So I think this one is maybe probably the most valuable but the hardest to figure out because right the, the top down approach okay pretty straightforward you need to figure out if it costs you this amount to mm-hmm. make a product
0: put a margin and you need top a margin
1: or you look at the competitors easy enough the other you know bottom approach also pretty straightforward do run the numbers from yeah. what you want to make but this one it's like there's kind of like this scent this this gap between you know, maybe you've done the research on both of those and yep. you know, like, my product costs at least X. Yeah. Right? Because it, there's already... But I, so so then if, if, we're the doing, if
0: we're doing value-based work, it almost doesn't matter what it costs me. Right? Like, there's... I don't know how many examples, but there are examples of artists who design logos in, like, seconds. Seconds. So if you're gonna say, oh well, that cost me how much ink and how much do I charge per second? Um, that's a not. That's not how you begin to quantify how much that logo should cost. Right. Right. What you're really asking, and you're right on a gap, is what does the world look like if you don't show up in your customer's life? What does neutral? What does consistent? Like normal? growth look like what does the um i guess passive future hold for your customer for your client now what would it look like what could it look like if you both work together or if you handed them the solution that you make or if you gave them the bag that you designed and created or if you provided them the logo what does the world look like for them um that should be graphed differently. And the space between that graph, those two lines of normal future and future with you, is all value creation. It's all value creation. Right. And you get, right. as a provider of a service or a provider of a product, you get to capture some of that value. Right. And that is a very different way to price.
1: Yeah. It it seems very, in many ways, relative to the customer. Well, one, relative to the business itself, right? Because if you are a famous designer, let's just say, you have built a certain um, brand identity and like a goodwill in your name. And so people are, you know, they see the value in that. But then on the other hand, maybe you're not very well known, but you're, your customer, you know, you can price your customer based on what you think the value for them will be. And maybe for a bigger company, it could be bigger than for a smaller company. Is that like kind of
0: a... I mean, maybe, yeah. So I would say it has, you're right in saying it has everything to do with the customer, right? If I'm a no-name brand, um, in a, we live in a city that has a lot of, Uh, potters Mm -hmm. yeah let's tell the, the 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 reality is you get to price your pot either by how much the clay costs and how much you price your time or by how many pieces you make a year and how much you need to make per piece if hypothetically you sold them all out or something around how good of a story do I get to tell about the process I use, about my inspiration, about the trip I took to visit this place, to learn this thing, to use these whatever style, right? Which is uncommon. Like, what is the story I get to tell? And I'm giving this story and the memory and the thoughts of all of those things that are tied into it to my customer. And what is that relatively worth to them? right? And, and it isn't a matter, I don't think of how long the brand has been around though. Clearly if you've been doing this for a very long time and you have made a lot of people happy, yeah, like you've probably already taken some of the steps to get really good at storytelling. If you haven't, um, meaning if you're very young and haven't had as many wins the way to short circuit this like third pricing conversation is to get really good at storytelling. It's to get really good at future pacing for your client about what the world looks like with this in their life. Mm. And it also means that you need to know who your customer is to be able to afford what it is that you're putting out. There's nothing wrong hypothetically with being reasonably priced meaning not the most expensive in the space it's just if you can do the exact same amount of work and 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 price it more and go through the all all the same process like why wouldn't why wouldn't you then it's a choice of who you want to work with and if you don't want to work with you know um people who can pay you more, that's absolutely fine. But it's a, ch- it's a choice at that point. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. Right. So like, but then what if what if I flipped it around a little bit and I thought about, say I have a product that is very, very, like I already have the product idea yeah. or the service idea, let's say. And it's very, very specific and it has a very specific target customer. And based on that, I know that this customer can only afford... This amount
0: of oh, great. money. Oh, great! 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 So, I was actually thinking about this when we were thinking about this episode. Um, let's say you're a nonprofit, right? Like, let's say that you're trying to serve underserved communities or underserved schoolrooms, right? It is still the same process. Your your stakeholders in the equation it becomes slightly more complex because you're providing a service to a group that appreciates that service and you're potentially getting funding from another group who also appreciates the work that's being done but hypothetically can't do the work. So in a, in a model where, let's say you're working in an in a underserved school community, right? Like you can work with schools for almost no money, like make very little revenue from the schools themselves because they don't have much money to put into this service. Mm. But local banks, local beneficiaries, local, very wealthy people who are sitting on piles of money and need something to do with it could easily say, I appreciate the work that you're doing for this city for this community and it is very easy for me to show this appreciation with dollars i would say that um i would say that you can choose again who your customer is but appreciation by way of dollars is always something that um going up market makes sense to do and the way that you do it is by storytelling if you uh, are able to tell a convincing enough story about the work that you're doing, why it's meaningful, how it's impactful, um, how the people who get that thing from you appreciate it. There will always be like, it's like uh, it's like energy. It's an like equal and opposite reaction. If you provide value, you will receive appreciation. That appreciation might come in monetary form. If you explicitly ask for it to, I think it, can and will. It's just a matter of who the stakeholder is to give that to you. It might not be the customer in this case. It might not be, um, the community you're serving. It might be a different community.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I think that, I think the nonprofit company is an interesting example, but I'm saying like, what if I think of a more concrete example, what um, if you want
0: to sell premium knives, uh, to a not wealthy family? Not not going to happen. No, It's no. a product market fit issue.
1: No. It, y- well, yeah, exactly. So I guess that's I guess my question is like, okay, let's say I, I already have made this particular knife, right? Okay. And it maybe it appeals to a certain group, a certain demographic of people. Like yeah. I'm already in this business. I'm yeah. already committed. Yeah. But I'm thinking, oh crap, I want my pricing is like not right. So how do I then navigate that world? Is it like, I guess I just need to change. If I wanted to make more money, I would need to change products. I would need to, well,
0: or improve I mean, the storytelling. Yeah, improve story. I think the answer is almost always improve storytelling and realizing that we live in a world that has internet. So um, if, you're provi- if you're building something that's amazing, you make the world's greatest handmade fiddle, uh, but no one in your town Plays the fiddle You need to go on the internet You need to find people That appreciate fiddles And I think again It's better um, It is better to take 10 times longer to find one person That will pay you 10 times as much um, Than it is to, to go down in, in price Typically And there's a whole whole bunch of reasons why i could think that you might want to drop price but it it, conceptually uh, the average person wants to make probably as much dollars per sale as they possibly can and the best way to do that is to position yourself to provide the most possible value to your customer and one of the ways to do that in an infinitely scalable way is by telling better stories Knives can only have certain types of metals, steels, hmm. alloys. Yeah. At some point, the metal no longer becomes important, and it's the story you tell about the knife. It's funny that we've talked about knives so much.
1: You mentioned it. I know, but it kept showing up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I I was trying to think of a good example of this, and I like the best example that I can think of that most people here in Asheville will know is. East Fork because they were they're selling a product that is made in a lot of different places Um, and not only in Asheville because there are tons of potters in Asheville but it's made all over the world Um, for many years the U.S. has imported ceramics you know and their dinnerware from China and other places Um, and so they're stepping in and they've they're creating this product that is totally uh you know common but they've created a brand and a name for themselves
0: yeah with completely uncommon storytelling yeah and well are,
1: and the quality of the product i would argue yeah or maybe it's just a, do, maybe it's just the way that they told the story about the quality exactly of the product, how do the, you
0: how do you know about the quality of their product and not the quality of anyone else's products because you've you've chosen to hear the story they've Provided you ample opportunity to hear the story, they've provided you ways to interact with them. Mm-hmm. They've provi- they've allowed that the East Fork products that we have in our home mean more than any other plate and any other cups that we have because we get to tie them to all of the stories we've heard, yeah. Whether we wanted to hear the stories or not, and all of the experiences that we've had, um, and that is an incredibly savvy thing to do as a yeah. business.
1: Yeah, and and I know when we asked, we interviewed Connie mm-hmm. uh, earlier on in the season and we asked her, you know, how do you explain to people why your, you know, plate costs $42 or whatever it is? Because I think that's a real price shock for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, or it's not. Maybe people are like, I, you know, we, we met some people, you know, uh, in town that have that. been like, I had every color of East Fork pottery and i collect them all and it is you know so i think that they've done a really good job of explaining why they price themselves that way
0: yeah and i mean they're to
1: make people appreciate it in a way
0: totally right like they're not picking a number willy-nilly but they're they've done a couple of things they've done all of the pricing models they know what the market price is They know Mm -hmm. how much it costs them to make it. They know how much they need or want to grow in the years to come. And they know that they've told a good enough story that they can place margin on top of their product. Mm -hmm. And that is a, it's like, that's an expert, right? That's doing it as right as you can. And they're making a physical good. That's crazy. That's really special. Anyone can Without hearing stories, say those plates expensive. Anyone can go to the chop shop and say that steak expensive, and they're not wrong.
1: Right, relative to to the price maybe of, what other to, similar to the products, yeah.
0: But it's the it's the stories that if you hang around the chop shop, you get to hear about apple brandy beef. You get to hear about the difference between free range and pasture raised. Right? You get to hear about the farmers themselves. Like All of those things make a buyer who can and wants to show appreciation for all of the work that went into that, it makes it a no-brainer. It makes yeah. it, for that person who we met at the, the birthday event, it makes it obvious that her credit card would be on file and that every single colorway and every single new plate or pot or bowl or whatever would be put aside for her. She can show appreciation that way, and so she does. People, we have talked about pricing. We have <laughs> talked about these models in a very abstract way. I would love. I would, I would love. It would make. It would. It gives us life to talk in this way. Um, it's a little nebulous here because we're alone in our living room. But like, if you have questions on this, if you want to challenge any of these concepts, we welcome that. We would love for you to engage with us. Like. Directly, we are very active on Instagram. We are very um, present. I don't know about active, but present on, Inst- on Facebook and on Twitter. Like You can find, go to our website. We would love to talk with you about some of these concepts. We'd love to talk to you about um, what it might mean in your world. The, the primary key thing here, the takeaway, if I can double or triple underline any concepts, is that appreciation means two things. (laughs) It means, uh, to grow and it means thankfulness. And I do believe that appreciation is a form of currency and people can, can show that they appreciate you with money. One of the ways to allow for that as a business owner is to tell really meaningful stories about the work that you're doing. Allow people to hear them, experience them, be the hero, let's say, in some of those stories, future pace them, what the world looks like with your product, with your service, with your solution, whatever it is. And then just, you know, you are welcome to take some of the value that you've created in payment with appreciation. One of the ways people appreciate is with money. Very abstract, I get it, very abstract.
1: There are other ways to appreciate. There
0: are tons of ways to appreciate. In-kind. Time. Time, treasure, in-kind mm-hmm. services. There are bar. Asheville is a very barter-friendly community. There are plenty of ways that you can be a premium service solution product and get appreciation from someone that doesn't involve solely money.
1: Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah
1: all right so i want to wrap up this recipe this recipe, recipe. <laughs> i want to wrap up this episode I with thinking a re- about recipes. yeah i want to wrap up this episode with one important question tony yeah what is the dish that you're most looking forward to this thanksgiving
0: that's a really good question i don't um i don't know what i'm in for we're going to your side so uh i feel like i want to say something more southern than i know how to say like uh Biscuits and gravy. I, I, what is what is What are you most excited for? And that'll probably be my answer too. <clears throat> ham. Ham sandwich, leftover sandwich. There, there
1: will be ham, I'm okay. pretty sure. Um, there'll be a lot of casseroles because here in the South, mm-hmm. we just casserole central. We throw everything in a pan and bake it and... Butter.
0: Yeah, cool. a lot
1: of butter. Um, but my favorite thing is my grandmother's macaroni and cheese. Like all the starches. Just give me all, oh, give me the potatoes, macaroni and cheese, her sourdough bread. I don't care about the turkey. I don't mm-hmm. even care about the ham. Mm.
0: Well, cool. I'm very much looking forward to all those things. I have a very meaningful question for you. Mm. What are you most thankful for this year? You? Oh goodness.
1: <laughs> no, I I am. In all honesty, and this is going to sound pretty, you know. Uh, what's the word? Mushy. Um, but seriously, I'm, I'm really thankful for the way that our move to Asheville has gone. Um, because I think there's a lot of anxiety building up to it It was a big change for us moving from New York to here and like, you know, leaving our jobs behind and leaving that security that we had. Um, but I have to say that I felt so welcomed here and I feel like we've made so many amazing connections and friends. And the transition, you know, while it has had certainly its challenges, has been way smoother and happier than I could have ever expected. Hear, here. Yeah.
0: Cool. So thank you, listener, for making it this far down a uh guest list episode. We are very thankful for your time, very thankful for you giving us your attention and uh in whatever way you have or will your appreciation so uh thank you we ask for reviews likes and comments when you can apple podcast is the place that we most often send people to uh thank you if you have or will like and review our podcast it means the world
1: it's true. I, I think I said this on Instagram the other day. But every time someone leaves a review on Apple Podcasts and we read it, we're like we like do a little dance, a little like jig and, on and the and kind of get
0: choked up. Like it's some of the some of the nice ones, and they've all been nice, varying degrees of nice. But some of the nice ones like actually choke me up. And some of the messages we've been getting on Instagram recently, I like it. I feel feels. I yeah. feel feels.
1: Yeah. So thank you mm-hmm. and. um yeah, we appreciate you. Yep. And if there's anything um, from this episode, I think we mentioned a couple of books and a couple of uh, concepts. We will have those available on the show notes page. So we'll have links on there and more information about um, those topics there. The show notes page is always our website and the episode number. So this one will be com forward slash zero three one. Uh, yeah
0: awesome we'll link
1: to it also from the players
0: yep and the last bit is that if you are interested in being on the making it in asheville podcast as a guest or if you know someone who would be please let us know the best place to do that is on our website at making it in forward slash podcast there's a really quick survey you can fill out and let us know who you think we should talk to next Sarah, we've done 31 episodes. We've been in town for over six months, like substantially. Tomorrow is our, eee. we're recording this the week before Thanksgiving. Tomorrow is our two month wedding anniversary.
1: Oh my gosh. Time Happy is Thanksgiving, flying. everybody. Happy
0: Thanksgiving, everyone. Thank you, Sarah, for being my partner in crime, my partner in life. Aww. You're the heart and soul of this team.
1: Oh my God, <laughs> we're getting so busy on the <laughs> podcast.
0: Right. We're going to, uh, some of that will make it, some of it won't. But I love you. Happy High five. 31st episode. High five.